1: Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. yahoofinance.com
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
3: And we're all talking about the weather but for once we're all talking about the weather for the right reasons and it seems this week is going to go down in the record books as the hottest week in February in some 60 years and there was parts of the country yesterday where temperatures reached 17 degrees. I think 15 was probably about the hottest we got here in Cork but listen we will take that on the 25th of February we'll take it today on the 26th as well that's for sure. Across the water in the United Kingdom they were even hotter. They got to, they, Some parts of the United Kingdom yesterday had highs of 20 degrees. Again they're breaking all records uh, over there as well and we have more uh, sunshine forecast for today in very stark contrast to what we were starting to talk about around this time last week the Beast from the East and Storm Emma was looming. And actually myself and John Paul were just checking it before we came on air as to what was the actual date of the Beast from the East because I heard people saying it was last weekend and I was saying I didn't think it was February and we were talking about it at the end of February I thought it was into March. It was actually the first of uh, March was sort of the was the day that the Beast arrived. It was kind of the big lockdown day when people were told to stay at home and it was there. Uh, Friday when it really hit it was Thursday into Friday when it really was hit very very bad, and you know the whole country came into to lockdown. I remember I walked to work on the Friday, no other way, and I was the only one out on the streets and actually there was something quite beautiful about that morning. I mean, it was just under a blanket of snow and nobody around but me. And there was, you know, it was the only footprints in the snow. It was something. There was something really wonderful about it, but very, very different weather to what we're experiencing at the moment. So enjoy this uh, fine uh, weather. The Met Aaron are saying that we've had the highest temperature since 1960, the 17.4 that we had uh, yesterday. But the all-time record for February haven't broken that yet but you know we might break it yet was 1881 when the temperature went to 18.1 degrees Celsius so we're certainly not far off that. Today and tomorrow there's going to be lots of pleasant sunshine and those temperatures well above normal for this time of year but then dramatic change for Thursday and uh, Friday but then the mercury levels will go back up again slightly but there will still be a bit more uh, It'll still be a little bit more cloudy, however quite pleasant they're saying for this time of year and current indications that the weekend suggest generally unsettled conditions will prevail. So I suppose today and tomorrow we need to get out and enjoy it. And there is just a wonderful photograph on the front page of the Irish Times today of a set of twins, they're little twin boys from Inchicore in Dublin enjoying an ice cream Um, and it's just a gorgeous photograph they were sitting in the Phoenix Park enjoying the warm weather now they still have their little warm jackets on but it's just a delightful gorgeous spring photograph the ice creams are kind of something you'd expect more in the summer and the photograph was kind of taken at the start of them licking their big ice cream cones and I tell you I'd love to have seen the photograph when they finished those cones because little two-year-olds, you can already see them starting to melt. I'd say they weren't as, there was a big clean-up operation by the end of it, but it really is a delightful photograph on the front of the Irish Times today. And with this lovely weather today and tomorrow, lovely to get out and about, enjoy the sunshine, get a bit of vitamin D, get a bit of sun on your bones. And And if you're anywhere near the beach or you've got, Time off from work and you can get in the car, go drive to the beach. It's just it's so good for the soul to be on the beach on a day like uh, today. And where else would you go than Inchidani Beach on a day like today? And today is really the day to go because I'm assuming they're all celebrating down in Inchidani. They have been named the best rated beach in Ireland. Now this is coming from TripAdvisor's Traveller's Choice Awards for Beaches. Inchidani came in first, Banna Beach in Tralee was second and Inch Beach in uh, Kerry came in in third place. And what I like about these awards, the Traveller's Choice Beach Award winners, they're judged On the quality and the quantity of traveller reviews and ratings for beaches on TripAdvisor gathered over the last year and it's done on a world ranking. So it isn't that people can get a campaign behind them to say, oh vote for us, vote for us. This this is actually generated and the votes are counted based on traveller reviews and ratings that are given for beaches and they do it country by country and then they do a worldwide one uh, for example it was the beach in Brazil I think for the second year running actually came out as the, the top beach based on what travellers felt and thought about it when, when they went but well done. It's a great achievement for Inchidani. Congratulations to them and also while we're sending out the congratulations can we congratulate everybody at Dano's Supervalue in Mallow because they won store of the year last night in Dublin at the Super Value Awards congratulations and and well deserved in Dano Super Value in in Mallow there's a lot of work going in, they've had a a new build in the last number of years and a lot of work and they're constantly working at trying to improve uh, the store so great recognition for everybody and I know Mary D was on the phone this morning saying would you congratulate all of the staff so well done if you're doing some shopping in Dano Super Value in Mallow today and make sure you congratulate each and every one and while we're sending out congratulations let me tag on a Birthday request, Audrey O'Sullivan of Gooseberry Hill in Wheelen has a birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Audrey, and you are described as the best mum in the world. And it's your own mother has described you as the best mum in the world. So happy birthday to Audrey O'Sullivan. Now, coming up on the program today, we are going to hear about possible the the government the government possibly giving financial incentives. To older people, to move out of large family homes and to help them move into retirement-style villages. Now, the problem straight away here is we need to be building more of the, these retirement-style villages. There are some examples around the country, but we certainly need to be building more of them. I mean, if you look overseas, there's a lot of very, very successful retirement villages. If anybody's ever watched that, the Real Marigold Hotel series, where celebrities, older celebrities from the from uh, from the United Kingdom, go off around the world, and uh, they they and they, they they go to different countries. They've been to India, they've been to China, they've been to the United States. They just go to different countries, and they take a look at how these countries deal with aging and what they do for older people. And nearly every single country that they've been to, they'll come across some kind of a retirement village and a setting where people live together. You still live independently, but you have the backing and support of no that there's somebody there on call should anything go wrong and if you need a little bit of extra help maybe in the morning getting out of bed or maybe a bit of help with getting back into bed in the evening there'll be somebody available for you but you still live independently we need to have schemes like that put in place and that's what we're going to be talking about today with the junior minister for uh, older people uh, Jim Daly now it's something Jim Daly has been talking about for quite some time but it seems there's going to be an announcement tomorrow and proposals before the government tomorrow so in advance of that we're going to to talk to uh, Jim Daly. We're also going to hear about the need for suicide prevention services in the town of Charleville, and speaking with a woman who has been working to highlight and working with suicide awareness and promoting suicide awareness in Charleville. And it's a woman whose life and family have been touched by suicide. She lost a son and a brother. So we'll we'll talk about that and what's needed for the town of Charleville. Possible solution to people who are experiencing difficulties getting flood insurance cover cover. Now our interview today is going to be focusing on the town of Mallow and Fermoy because both Mallow and Fermoy have had extensive flood, flood defence work completed. And you would think once that work is completed and tens of millions of euro pumped into those towns to get the flood defence work done to stop the flooding and successfully stopped the flooding, you would think then that the businesses and the homes that had previously been flooded and because they'd been flooded in the past, they weren't able to get insurance cover again. You would think once the work was done, they would have no problem getting cover. It seems that is not the case. And this is going to be an issue going forward for other towns. So There's a lot of towns in West Cork, for example, where flood defence work is is going on and people living in those towns who haven't been able to get flood insurance cover are assuming that once the work is complete and the flooding stops, we'll be able to get our cover back. We're trying to find out the, what is a possible to solution, solution to that and, and how do we force the insurance companies to give insurance cover to these families and businesses. We're putting a call out for participants, young participants and older participants to take part in a TV programme where they're trying to do an intergenerational living experiment that's going to be filmed for uh, TV and I think the actual concept of it could help, just a small little way of helping with the current housing crisis we have at the moment. And it is Tuesday, so Joe Heffernan will join us in the final hour of the programme and Joe, today will be talking about obsessive thinking and thoughts that frighten. As always we welcome your thoughts and comments on the programme throughout the morning. There's a piece that's making the papers today and it's just one of those stories to do with vandalism that I just find beyond disgusting and when we've dealt with vandalism before, I mean only yesterday on the programme we were talking about the vandalism of the plants that have been ripped out of the new big plant planters that have been plunked on the plaza in Mallow and people were talking about you know somewhere else a tree had been snapped into and you just didn't think what's going through the minds of these people and you know is it drink is it drugs is it boredom you know what is it what drives somebody to do you know acts of vandalism like that but the story coming out of the Dublin church as I say is just beyond disgusting and it is to do with vandals who broke into this vault inside in a church in Dublin now there was they, they had to have known breaking in that there was no items of value you know so it wasn't done for theft I mean it was done for vandalism and no other reason and the guard investigation is underway uh, because significant damage was caused to specially preserved bodies in this vault in St. Mitchin's Church which is right in the centre of the city of Dublin. So, you know, a busy spot as well. The body of a nun who has been in the crypt for 300 years was thrashed just for nothing else to do but will break into this crypt and will smash up these bodies. And that nuns, the remains of that nun has lain intact in that crypt for 300 years and they were thrashed uh, in this act of vandalism. And the one that seems to be most upsetting to the powers that be at the church is to do with an 800-year-old crusader And the head has gone missing. They severed the head off the body of this 800-year-old crusader. The Church of Ireland's Archdeacon of Dublin described the damage as vandalism and sacrilege. The Archbishop raised the concern about the crusader's head, which they say now will disintegrate after being removed from the crypt because obviously the air inside in the crypt and the way it was kept in the crypt is specially preserved and that's the reason that it's it's lasted 800 years, but they're afraid now when it's out of normal fresh air and God knows what has been done to the to the skull and these eejits thinking, oh, sure, this will be like, it'll be funny, we can have this at home as an ornament. It is simply going to disintegrate. If they can't get it back in and get it back into the setting where it was, where it had been preserved for 800 years. The archdeacon who discovered it said when he obviously went into the church yesterday morning and discovered He said it was pretty gruesome when they went down that they just could not understand the sacrilege and the desecration and the vandalism that had taken place just to thrash the bodies all over the place. Really absolutely shocking. Now CCTV footage which captured the vandals entering the vault is now being reviewed by the Gardaí who, who say that the break-in occurred between 7pm on Saturday and 8pm on Sunday. So it's between 7 and 8, um, or between 7 o'clock Saturday evening and 8 o'clock um, the next day. OK, all right, but they have some CCTV, well, it with the CCTV footage, they can give a better timescale on that as to exactly when these louts uh, broke in uh, to it. And a lot of people have gone, uh, over the years, would have gone visiting these, these crypts—they were open to the public and school tours, and that, and tours uh, would have gone. And now they have been uh, destroyed. Just ca- has anybody any understanding of what would cause anyone to do that? It's just mind-boggling, mind-boggling. 1850—you'd have no luck for it, would you? 185333103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862.
2: 103 103. Flora Gelga, RC 103.
4: Ruga Conmari, Ern Felg Law, De Via Broad, Najug Octone. Toburg of Forage, Ashling Augustera. Drastl Chea Kalash de Mwinkin, Limna, Augusta Grimma Pella, La Tobra Fajr. Vodis of Vise Savanskol, Demisha Pell, Akostucha Grimma Rugby. Claire Lancheer, Egimert, Norviche, and Oldskol Limney. Reneshe Trilica, Deferna Vuin, Augusta Ruglet, Ott All, Ern Demershek Kay Claude Davoon er en octu lord de Debron Gavila Sedan ek wona kuku konoxt ma haru follow. Is minika imien chenish, war lackulu clippers hab Augustus Noix Kaydu Captavoon on Blue Chicago. Demershek er son Robbinaharen og Gavila Sehanga go this ramiakem trust and alone new when tree Ud dig to keen to is misha de as a tree
3: kirkig now, under new government plans to be published tomorrow, financial incentives will be offered to encourage older people to downsize from larger family homes to retirement home type communities. Joining me to discuss the plan's Minister of Responsibility for Older People, Jim Daly. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we've spoken to you before about this plan for retirement style villages. Just remind listeners of your suggestion and your thinking behind all of this.
5: I will. Uh, thanks, Patricia. Thanks for the opportunity to, to talk on this. Essentially, I was I, I maintain from taking on this job with responsibility for the older people that we have a, a dearth of options for people or a lack of options for older people in Ireland, that it tends to be typically to live in your own home or to go to a nursing home. And we don't have, when you look abroad and see other countries, they seem to have a much wider variety of alternative types of accommodation for people as they grow old. And then when you look around the country, you see some really good examples of housing for the elderly. And I think in my own area of Ross Carberry, say in particular, that has houses for the elderly built inside the square in Ross Carberry within walking distance of the shop, the pub, the doctor's surgery, the bus stop, the post office, etc. Um, and they're a wonderful idea, but they're a bit ad hoc, as in not Ross Carberry, but that they're not in enough. They're not in every town. They're not in every village. They're only in some of the luckier villages and towns have them. Uh, And I think that really people, as they grow older, deserve to live behind their own front door. And we can do an awful lot better for older people than just kind of your own home or the nursing home. So what I've asked uh, the Secretary General in my Department of Health was to establish a conference there that we would have all the stakeholders who have done examples of this kind of uh, development, the lint and bread of the country, get them in under one roof, find out what they have all learned uh, along the way, and see could we put together a model nationally where we would join up the Department of Health and the Department of Housing to provide sustainable, affordable housing for the elderly into the future.
3: Yeah, because people like that idea of their own independence, as you say, their own front door, but it has to be in the locality where they've been raised or where they've lived for a long period of time.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was speaking yesterday on another radio show and, you know, a lot of the comments coming in were very much Dublin, uh, from Dublin listeners, and, you know, saying, look, I'm not moving, i where I am, I'm very happy, I'm close to things. That's fine if you live in in an urban area, but Mm. if you live in rural areas like County Cork, uh, as I said on the radio, you could be seven miles from the nearest public lighting. You know, you could be that far away from a public light, let alone a shop and a post office. And as people grow older in these houses out in very rural, remote areas, I don't think they're as attached to the bricks and mortar as they are to their community. I Absolutely. Think it's more important that people get to to be among their own community, among their own friends, among their family. But the bricks and mortar can be transferred and people can move, you know, whether they, by choice, of course. By choice, if they want to downsize to live in a smaller, more compact um, house in a, a built-up area where there is services close by. And ideally with a little bit of, you know, maybe a care attendant on duty 24 hours a day to give people a hand, to put them to bed at night or, you know, bathing or, you know, the little things that people require a bit of assistance with. And these are the models that are working very, very well, um, on, albeit on a NASHOP basis the and breadth of the country. But and now, are what
3: there what many models like that around the country? Is there any, any you've particularly seen that you're impressed with?
5: Yeah, I speak all the time of Kilmeley in County Clare, which is probably the most impressive I've seen. It's in a very rural area, in a village area. Uh, they've built 20 units there, 20 housing units for older people. And they also have on site, they have a, a primary care centre and a Meals on Wheels centre. Uh, the GP comes out there a day or two a week and does his clinics from there. They, the day I was visiting there, you had a mother and toddler group, you know, lots of community youth wow. the building on site. And they have one care attendant on duty, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that care attendant is there to, you know, give people, as I said, a hand with a shower, or a bath, or put them to bed, or if they have an issue during the night, they wake up and are feeling unwell. But what has really stunned me about that, which is really, really telling, I think, is that they have told me when I visited there that in 20 years of providing housing for the elderly, one person ever in the 20 years had to go from that setting into a nursing home. Everybody else has had end of life either on site are in an acute hospital. You My know, goodness, that's a, gr- so, that's a
3: record. Uh, that's a great record to have. And who who's behind that?
5: Well, that's a voluntary group. Again, right. a local community organisation. They got a... Hun- Again, you see, this is the problem. They will get the funding to build the housing. But they are... And how I've got to know them is because they're always looking for funding, to, you know, to get the, the, the attendance care and, you know, that's paid for. And it's on an ad hoc basis and they're on a year-to-year basis where they're looking to the HSE for... You know, I mean, their model makes so much sense. If those 20 people were living in 20 different houses spread out all over rural West County Clare, the HSE would be trying to send home help out there. It would cost a
3: fortune.
6: It would cost a fortune.
5: You'd be giving people the living loan allowance or the fuel allowance, you know, all of these things out there, which they may not, um, well, they obviously can maintain those. In DC units as well. But, like, in my ideal, what I would love to see, and, I, and that's what I, I was quoted there recently saying that, you know, nursery homes should be gone in 20 years. What I actually said was that nursery homes, as we know them, you know, I would hope to see the end of it in 20 years and that we would have more of people having a front door and having a little living room and a little kitchenette and a little sitting room or whatever. In an environment, they can still, of course, have a on duty, you know, to look after people. But they need more than just a bed and a, a small little room with a locker. You know, I think we can do so much more for older people. And I don't think old, as we grow older, we all have to live under nurse-led care. Of course, there will always be a cohort of people that will have such a range of complex needs that they will have to go into a nursing home. But as many people would survive very, very well, if they were given a smaller amount of support to live on, um, a smaller amount of assistance uh, where they live and more age-friendly housing and embracing technology that's there now and, in the, in the, you know, kind of alarms and monitors and screens to talk and all of that, we can keep people much, much, um, to, to live much more independent on their own. So ultimately what I'm trying to drive forward, Patricia, is a real ambitious program of radical reform. So that you know, and I offered quote if I won the lottery in the morning and if I went into Cork County Council and said, Look, I want to invest in care of the elderly, heretofore all you will be doing is building a nursing home. And that's the, the only option available to you and nursing homes haven't evolved over the last thirty years. They're still pretty much the same as they were built thirty years ago. They're built more or less the same now, you know, that we can I think we can really do an awful, awful lot better to look after our older people with a small bit more creativity. But the big job of work here was to get the Department of Health and the Department of Housing to work together. And I finally got that done. And myself and Minister English and the Department of Housing have joined forces. We've got our officials working together for the last 18 months. And tomorrow we will launch in the Dáil a document which sets out 40 very distinct, clear actions to be done between both departments to drive forward this agenda where we will have, you know, a, a range of ideals put down on paper and this is what we'd love to see developed in every village and town. We will ask every local authority to embrace this plan, to start promoting it and look, the private industry, of course, will have a role to play here as well. About 80% of people in nursing homes are cared for by the private industry. And I would say the private industry will want to get involved in this when they see that the Department of Health and the HSE will provide funding for, you know, attendance, care, attendance, nurse care, all of that kind of thing, as needed on site as well afterwards.
6: OK,
3: and, we, I, and you go, I go back again and just emphasise the point. This will be individual choice. This will be up to an, if an older person feels the home they're in, is too isolated or is too large, and there's a facility like this close by, they will be given the option to move. But it's, it's individual choice.
5: Yeah, we have done a lot of research. Um, the Eye Index, which is a, you know, a work a body of work undertaken by Age 20 Ireland, where they went out and listened to the voice of 20,000 older people and asked them, you know, what would you like? What would you like in facing into retirement? What would be your, your ideal? And up to 30% of the people asked that they would like to move. They'd be happy to move. They would, you know, they would be anxious to move to a smaller house, to a more, you know, setting that would have more uh, support and sites, to a setting that would be closer to more amenities. There's 70% of the people obviously are very happy where they are and will continue to be happy. So this is about creating a real alternative to the nursing home. It's choice. And giving people a real choice. Yeah. But it's all about choice. And what's very exciting in this is one well, of the first demonstrator sites in the country. To be developed under this new plan will be in the Manway in West Cork. Uh, Cork County Council have a site there. They're one of the most proactive local authorities in this space. Uh, are very, very anxious to, to get involved and to start developing and embracing this. So we have a site in the Manway identified. We are uh, at the stage at the moment of designing and, and, you know, trying to plan where, how many houses we're going to put there. But we're also going to put on site some supports like a Meals and Wheels Centre, is my dream to have on, on that site there that will serve the entire West Cork area where you could have six, seven hundred meals a day cooked, cooked the Meals and Wheel Centre and delivered out across uh, rural West Cork through the Post network would be the way I'd like to see that happening. Uh, I've spoken to Unpost about this and they are happy to engage with us and work with us where the meals could be. We have a postman going to every door uh, across West Cork at the moment, anyway, and there's the possibility of these meals they'd be cold; they would have to be heated up in the house and all of that. But these are at early stages. But so what's very uh, interesting is that, that we will have the first developer site, or, or what they call demonstrator site, of this new plan uh, done here in West Cork uh, in Manway.
3: Okay, all right, and uh, so more on this plan, particularly if the, the financial incentives they'll be announced tomorrow.
5: Yeah, there'll be much more announced tomorrow. The plan itself will be published tomorrow and it'll be, you know, available online. People will be able to view it. And people, where we're going from this, we have 40 clear, as I said, actions identified. And where we'll go from there then is to implement those actions. We will Myself and Minister Damien English will be establishing an implementation group with an independent chair before the end of March whose job it will be will be to drive forward the, the ambitions that we'll have outlined in the report tomorrow.
3: OK. All right. And just before we let you go, just on, on Brexit, uh, Jim... UK pensioners don't need to worry going forward about the payment of their pensions?
5: No, they don't for the moment. No, I mean, it's, it's too early for people to have that fear at this stage. Uh, there, are, There is enough, um, I suppose, precautions being taken by the government to ensure that the payments can continue in the event of a hard Brexit on the 29th of March. But, look, I, I think we're I can't speak with any more authority than anybody else that's just observing it but you know we'd be very hopeful that uh, a hard Brexit won't be the end the game at the end of the 29th of March Okay, the All common right. sense will prevail in the, in the British Parliament between now and then Fingers
3: crossed on that one Thanks Jim and thanks for joining us on the programme uh, Good okay. morning to you that is the Minister for Older People Minister Jim uh, Daly Michael O'Sullivan is the ex-chair of the Older People's Council and Michael says Hi Patricia this village idea for older people is the brainchild of the United Nations which back some years ago, which Ireland signed up to, uh, the National Older People's Council were not in favour of it when it was sprung on them at an annual conference for many reasons, says uh, Michael. But, you know, as Jim said, it's got to be done on an individual choice. No one's going to be forced to be moved into these retirement villages, but it's choice is what's needed for older people. We don't have the choice there at the moment. It's either, you know, you live independently if you're lucky enough to be able to live independently or you move to a nursing home. Uh, Vincent in Newmarket says, not in favour of Jim's proposal, says he's in cloud cuckoo land. Nothing will ever happen like this. This is a pie in the sky idea and these villages will never happen. Why can't Jim go away and sort out the big issues like the waiting time for the cataract operations, hips, etc. We haven't money for those sleeping on the sides of the road, so what chance have we of building retirement villages? If he wants responsibility for older people, then concentrate on things that will make a difference. That's Vincent in Newmarket. Well, Jim in Brough says, why should older people move out for the younger generation? Uh, why doesn't Michael de Higgins move out of Orsa Nuk-tura, and all those stately homes like Farron Lee." Uh, etc why are not all these houses freed up after all a lot of state homes were given to the Irish from the British but they are big homes which are part of an empire not for a country of just 26 counties so free up the big buildings Can I just say that at no point in time when I was talking to, to Jim did he mention that this proposal is anything to do with freeing up houses this is more to do with older people and what older people want older people who want to live in Independently, but just need a little bit of backup, and that's the reason behind the suggestion of having these retirement villages. So it isn't a solution to the housing uh, problem. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Colman Butterworth says when somebody moves from their own big house to move into one of these houses in a retirement village. Do the people that move into these homes own the home? Can they pass the home on to their children or how will that work? I suppose the devil is going to be in the detail of how these projects will work going forward. I mean when he spoke about that one that's in Clare that's run by a voluntary organisation, Almost like a charity, I imagine. I imagine the it has some kind of charity status. The people living in those homes wouldn't own it; they're looked after while they're there, and I assume that a little bit like sheltered accommodation that we already have in in other parts of the country. That when the person moves on, then that sheltered accommodation is there for for somebody else. So no, I can't see them because they wouldn't buy the property; they'd move in and. They'd pay towards, you know. I don't. I don't know how they rent it. I suppose they wouldn't. I. I can't see them buying the property, Colin. But maybe, maybe that's what would happen as well. You would have retirement style villages where people would actually buy the property and then obviously once you bought the property you can do what you like uh, with it in your will. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103
2: 103. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary.
0: With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103.
3: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Margaret O'Callaghan, who is a campaigner for suicide awareness in the Charleville area, has contacted the programme to raise her concerns about services or lack of services in the North Cork town. And Margaret joins me. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, just to remind listeners, and just tell listeners about the group you set up in 2008. It was the, the Charleville Suicide Awareness Project and right. the, the work that you do with that group.
7: Well, I'm a, I'm a, look, I'm only a mother of a boy that died of suicide and also a sister of a brother that died of suicide. And I thought there was nothing done in 2008. And so I set up Char for Suicide Awareness with the help of Bella Howard Development, Dave O'Grady. And from 2008 until now, we have a lot of trees and benches with numbers of Pieta House and the Samaritans. And we do our balloons and doves in September. But at, at the end of the day, there's nothing there for we had a group, Leonard, once a month, and that finished 12 months ago. And now we have nothing for people that have been bereaved by suicide. And we used to get together and have a chat and a talk and a cup of tea. That's all gone now.
6: And
3: that was for people who were bereaved by suicide?
7: Yes, uh, with mothers, fathers, sisters. We all get together and we meet and we talk about her week and how yeah. we feel and... There's nothing now. I got a phone call last week from three people looking for places that they have a group for people to talk to one another about their feelings, about what happened to
3: them. Do you, have now. you also worked, Margaret, with people who have had or having suicidal thoughts?
7: I have, yeah. I have. A lot of people gone into Pieta House, but that's in Limerick or Cork. There's nothing in Charfield. Butting, belly Belihe, New Tongue, Dramina. There's nothing, nothing. Mellow, I don't think there's anything in Mellow either. And because
3: you know, because you, go, you, have, you, because you, you are work. because you are so recognised in Charleville for your work with the suicide awareness project, is that almost an you you're attracting people? People are coming to you in the hope of getting help.
7: Well, they want to know where could they get help. And they have to go to Limerick or Mallow. I often took people into Limerick. But at the end of the day, God help us. They need someone to talk to in their own community. We have a counsellor in Charfield, But it's a counsellor. You need a group to talk to. There's a lot of empty buildings. They could set up something. You know, like a, drop, a drop-in centre. Yeah. People go in and talk to one another. Have an old cup of tea. And even people with suicidal thoughts, they could talk to somebody. All I'm doing is trying to, their phone numbers, Pieta House. The Samaritans are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, the Samaritans, you can pick up the phone, you can talk to them for hours. But at the end of the day, you need someone face to face to talk to you.
3: Have you ever thought of approaching Pieta House about setting up something in in
7: Charfield, I have, I have a um, number of occasions, but they haven't, they haven't uh, people to come out and do in Charfield. I have, I have a yeah, and I so we so do, we so, so you're into light for them. Yeah, do a lot for a place house, and I mean, it won't take too much. It shouldn't be about money. It should be about the people that are are looking for help.
3: And I know normally that's what happens because I know at the trying to get the, when Pieter House first came to mm-hmm. Cork. I remember on numerous occasions having interviewed Joan Freeman when we mm-hmm. were talking about her work with Pieter House. And I would say to her, when are you going to come to Cork? When are you going to come to Cork? And she, she used to always say, I need to be invited. Once we're invited by the local community, we will come. But you're saying you have asked.
7: I have asked, yes, yeah. I have asked.
3: Okay, now well maybe it's a funding... But I'm only uh, one person. I know, you know. I know. I'm, a, I'm
7: only a mother. I mean, I'm not a politician. I mean, the, the, the government want to do more about mental health. They want to do... It's not, good, it's not good enough that they talk when something happens. They should do it before anything happens.
3: Before another life is lost.
7: Yes. They should do something before somebody commits suicide again. Don't wait until it somebody dies of
3: suicide. And I take it you're aware of Lachine's house in
7: I heard about it. Yeah it's fantastic. It's John Paul. John Paul told me about it. Yeah, a great facility like in West Cork. It's yeah, Cork. we need
3: yeah, we you need the the equivalent in North Cork to get yeah, it up. Yeah.
7: And you need the people, you need you need the facilitators. You need proper people to have the, I i can not do it. I'm not a counsellor. You need I'm professionals. Yes. Yeah. That's what you need. I mean, it's it elderly people, it's teenagers, it's middle-aged people, farmers, they all need to talk and talk with a group. It's lovely because we had a Leonard group in Ch- Charlville for a number of years and we also had one in Mellow. And my God, the people, even they ring up down and still say, how are you? Williams ketchup but it's nice to go in there for a half an hour or an hour and just meet the people that have been the same as you
3: Well it's funny because yesterday when I was chatting with Karma, that young mother who had had a a stillborn baby and is part of that support group, Falecon that's one Mm -hmm. of the things she said that first day that she went to a support group meeting to realise she wasn't the only one going through
7: this that's right.
3: And that's that right. peer-to-peer support is invaluable.
7: It's fantastic. Yeah. It'll it, it, it make your day good. That you know there's, you're not alone. But that's all i stopped now in Chariffle. I mean, the, the, I meet some of the members of the, the group and they say, when is it ever going to start up again? They need that hour away from everything. Just to meet people on the same yourself.
3: Who are you hoping will intervene? The, could the HSC do something for you? Uh, I mean, there's a great primary healthcare centre up there. Could they? Is
7: there a room there that could be used? Well, there's plenty of, uh, empty places in Charrifel. Plenty of buildings. I mean, Froga were very good to us. They gave us the room in Charrifel.
3: For
6: Orga. the
7: Lynner. Froga, yeah. yeah. For uh, they were very good. They gave us the room, and we had the and we had the local councillor in He was very good to us. But there's nothing now. Nothing. I mean, you have to go and sit in the car and talk to someone or go for a cup of coffee in a restaurant. You need to... Uh, people will... You know, you need you need your own surroundings that you can cry, which is good. You can talk. And not other people, you know... Uh, not being the bereaved listens to you when you're talking about it or if you get upset. You don't want people to see you upset in a group. You can do all that.
3: Okay, well, you've certainly put the call out there, uh, Margaret. Let's see if there's any pickup uh, and from us. I knew very
7: good toast. Well, Thank listen, you it's, it's
3: very good. It's, to it's uh, any help that we can be. Listen, Margaret, continue good luck. You're Thanks doing amazing work with your good own group. You. Thanks for joining us. Margaret O'Callaghan there, suicide awareness campaigner in uh, Charterville. If you've been affected in any way by uh, what you've heard this morning, Samaritans are available at 116 123. 116 123. And Pieta House is at 1-800-247-247, one 247 247 uh, John Paul taking your calls at 185333103 we're going to take a break we have news at 11 on the way in the next hour we will talk about a possible solution to flood insurance uh, cover and we'll uh, catch up with calls and comments coming into the program this morning this all to come
0: you're listening to Cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: some reaction to Margaret Callahan, who joined us and talking about the great work that she does for suicide awareness but also talking about the worry and the concern she has uh, for the people of Charleville and surrounding areas with lack of services for people who are either bereaved through suicide or for people who are having suicidal thoughts. Councillor Ian Doyle was um, from Charleville, he just wants to compliment, publicly compliment Margaret for the great work she does in the Charleville area. Yes, she's a fantastic woman who has suffered a knows what it is like to lose two loved ones very close to her. Her brother and her son both lost uh, to suicide and yet she continues on with the amazing work of trying to help others. She, she really is. She's a child of her. Lucky to have her. They, they really are. And Mary in Rathcoole says might be just a little bit of a suggestion for uh, Margaret. Could they set up something in their own homes? An evening where people call around and have uh, a chat. Now Mary said she listened with interest to what Margaret had to say and she I understand that they need services like uh, Pieta house but she just wants to give a suggestion of something they do in mill Street. there's a gang at them between 10 and 15 women in total and they've one evening a week where they pick to call to so if there's between 10 and 15 say there's 15 of them and they rotate it so one one week in 15 it'll be your turn to to host and all the gang come around and people will bring baking or whatever and everybody talks and talks and talks and it's just it's like a little social outlet that they have you don't need insurance you don't have to worry about anything like that because it's hosted in the person's home and the group move around and it's a great way to keep in contact with each other and the social interaction and yeah terrific terrific idea and I'm sure a lot of that goes on I remember my own late mother used to have a car night on a Thursday night. With uh, three, or there was four of them in, in total. Used to play cards and like that one one in four. So once a month, you'd host the card night, and the ladies would uh, turn up. And it happened every single Thursday night without fail. And a great way. And they were all, you know, a, you know, elderly women. I and mean, by the end of it, I think they were all widows by the time it finished up. All four of them. But it just gave them somewhere to go once a week. And you know, they'd potted off and did their own thing during the week. But yeah, that's t- just to keep in contact with other people. So maybe it's a suggestion that Margaret could take on board, form her own little circle of, particularly for people who've been bereaved through uh, suicide, because that very much was brought home yesterday when we spoke with that young mother, Carmel, with her stillborn baby and how you just feel a little bit more comfortable being in the presence of other people who've lost, in in her case, lost a baby, to be able to talk about how you're feeling because you kind of put on a brave face for everybody else don't you for the general world outside sure, you're great you're always in such good form and all of that but inside you can be crumbling and to know that you can just sit with other people who know and be and can feel your pain and know what you've been through there's something very warm and comforting and healing in that as well. So maybe it is something that Margaret might be able to do. Thank you for your suggestion, uh, Mary. And a couple of other people were on, including a listener in the city, says, Patricia, just listening to Margaret on your programme, what about a grow group in uh, Charleville? And then Mike in Bantry was on. Thank you, by the way. And a couple of other people suggested uh, grow as well. Mike in Bantry then was on to say, uh, and obviously is somebody in the know when it comes to the GROW organisation because he says we have GROW in Mallow and in Cantor. He says there was a group in Charleville but it stopped. He said these groups are vital today. People are crying out for help. And they are. They are crying out for help. And actually, it Margaret, it was interesting to, to Margaret, you know, she was saying like loneliness and suicidal thoughts unfortunately they go across all of the age groups but the biggest cohort of people that she would be in contact and that would reach out to her for help are young people and older people we have a big big problem with older people and a lot of that is down to loneliness and a lot of that in our area here, certainly in some of the areas listening to this programme, it would be isolation and rural isolation and literally not seeing anyone from one end of the day to the other end of the day you, know, you can go days without seeing another human being if they don't physically get out themselves or are able to get out themselves and there's that awful problem with rural isolation that can lead to depression and then of course um, depression doesn't always but it can go on to lead to thoughts of suicide so there is a huge need and you know Mike is right people are crying out for help and I think that's what Margaret is trying to get out in Charleville people are coming to her but as she said I'm only a mother and a sister who suffered pain because of suicide she isn't a counsellor she isn't a professional she's doing amazing work I have to say particularly in pointing people in the right direction and doing amazing work in talking about it and raising awareness and that's why she's become a focal point in Charleville and that's why people are going to her in Charleville because they don't know where else to go. And that's why she's putting this call out to say we need some kind of a drop-in centre. And I don't know if the Grow might look again at Charleville. I don't know why the group stopped. Maybe it's something that could be started up again, because certainly we would hear from a lot of our listeners about Grow and about people who go to Grow meetings and, you know, who talk about what a wonderful organisation it is and how it has helped people. So maybe that's something else that Margaret might be able to uh, look at. But thank you uh, to a number of people, as I say, who suggested uh, grow. Uh, Patricia, this is uh, John. We have plenty of houses, as this to do with housing, we have plenty of houses if the government closed the door on immigrants and direct provision. Even though, oh God, who wants to live in direct provision? Uh, the, anyway, back to John's comments. There are immigrants coming into this country every day of the week and nobody knows for sure how many Sure, we can't say nothing. There's no checks, there's no vetting. They're all welcome. Good old Ireland, uh, says uh, John. <laughs> yeah, there might be that perception that we have loads of immigrants and asylum seekers coming into this country. But the evidence, John, unfortunately, there are numbers coming in. But the evidence there, there certainly, they're, we're not taking as many as other countries are taking. Now, possibly to do with the fact that we do have a housing uh, crisis uh, but thank you for your comment. Uh someone else on Jim Daly's suggestion said there should be a lot more spot checks done on nursing homes. What we went through with our mother. Please pass this on to uh Jim, please. And thanks, I don't know what you went through with your mother, but anyone who has a loved one in a nursing home that is not happy with it, I would be getting onto HICWA ASAP. I mean, obviously you try locally. If you think there's an issue with the nursing home or with particular staff, you go directly to the, the manager, the matron, whoever is in nursing charge and point out your concerns. And if you are still worried, then you put a call through directly to HICWA. I and mean, that's what HICWA are there for. HICWA do spot checks unannounced. Now, they do announced checks which I can never really understand and and I always find them baffling. I think all of them should be unannounced, but they also do unannounced ones and they certainly react if they get complaints in about a particular place. So, I mean, I don't know if your mother is still in the nursing home, but if you have concerns about a nursing home, it is straight to HICWA. I would be directing you. Okay, some of your thoughts coming in by WhatsApp. Now, now I have to say I didn't see this programme last night the Clareburn Lives I haven't recorded to watch this afternoon but it was I think it was half ten 25 to 11 way too late for me uh, to I'm, I'm in bed by half ten Anyway Michael watched it last night and I've seen bits I've seen snatches of, of the programme but um, Michael says Patricia All credit must go to Clare Byrne last night on her handling of one of the most heart-wrenching stories ever told on a TV by a mother about the horrific death of her daughter And those three beautiful, innocent grandchildren suffered at the hands of what can only be described as a very evil, evil man. That man being their father, not forgetting her lovely sister and aunt, those children who also spoke last night. Never in their lifetime would these memories be wiped away. I bet there wasn't a dry eye in the country watching the programme last night. However, it asked a lot of unanswered questions that need to be answered and rightly so. Every scrap of evidence should be made available to the mother and to the sister. His laptop, for example, who and what the school knew, his letter or letters, notes, etc. What evidence is on the laptop? What happened in the school? What trouble was he actually in? Why didn't they take action sooner? Who are they protecting that the information is being withheld? The interview has all the hallmarks of the Ian Bailey case in Skull. I sincerely hope that they will, that one day they will bring it to a conclusion and have as much closure as is possible. Our thoughts and prayers are with that family. Um, and those poor victims uh, today, and I am assuming i know they call, there was it was called my name is claude isn 't it I mean they very much want her name to be remembered and to be known and not forgotten uh, about in that particular horrific horrific murder that happened and then of course he went on to um, kill himself afterwards yeah i and, and i 'm assuming now the reason that the family have decided to go public is that there is so many questions they are left uh, with. I mean, they are suffering as a family. Clodagh's family are suffering. You know, they've lost, for her her mum, for example, Mary, who spoke last night. I mean, she's lost her daughter and her three grandchildren. I mean, the pain of that alone. And then to be left with all of these unanswered questions is just incredible. You would have assumed, I mean the man in question, the husband, the father is dead. I mean, so I don't understand why they can't be given every single bit, every scrap of information that's out there in the hope, I suppose, that they can make some kind of sense. If you could ever make sense out of a husband killing his wife and a father killing three children, I don't know how you could ever get to the bottom of it. But at least if they have the information they may be able to try to piece together what actually happened and they may be able to get some kind of closure and some kind of understanding. And it just seems beyond cruel that that information has been withheld from this family to the point that they had to go public last night. They didn't have to be on a television screen sharing, you know, the, the saddest, most awful event in their life. They didn't have to share that with the nation but they felt they had no other choice but they had to go public in the hope of putting pressure on the powers that be to give them the information. The information that's there stop hiding it, give it to the family. So I don't know how many others watched that programme as I say I have it recorded to watch this afternoon. The pit of my stomach tells me that I, it's, it's going to make for very uncomfortable viewing but, but I plan to watch it um, Later on, I don't know if uh, how many others watched that program last night. As I say, I think it was just they—they they simply called it. Um, her name is Claudia. I mean, just to so that people let's not forget Claudia Haw and her three children. Lean was thirteen. Neil was was eleven, and little Ryan was six. Shocking, absolutely shocking. Okay, also coming into us on uh, WhatsApp. Hi, Patricia. I also heard about that desecration of Saint uh, Mitchin's Church in Dublin yesterday. I, like you, sick to the pit of my stomach when I heard what they did. I was actually planning. Says uh, Mary by WhatsApp. I was actually planning to visit it on my next trip to Dublin. It's lucky that our beloved dead are buried six feet under. They won't have a day's luck. And I hope that that is the case. Yeah, And and I hope they get caught. I really, really do hope uh, that they get caught. Uh, Declan by WhatsApp says, this is Councillor Declan Harley says, uh, hi Patricia, I welcome and support the initiative that Minister Jim Daly spoke about earlier. Earlier, I'm delighted that one of the first is going to be developed in Damame and I hope it will be an inspiration for many other communities. I very much look forward to being involved in the uh, project. OK, and I want to go to just one other text that came in earlier to see if any listener, listeners can help this listener. Hi, Patricia. Does any listener out there have any ideas, please, on how to deal with a seven month old baby who will not sleep, even though he is extremely tired and he'll fight it and fight it and fight it, trying to stay awake? Thanking you. And that comes in from a Mallow uh, listener. Oh, my God, I, I so feel your pain. Actually, wasn't there a piece on the news about sleep deprivation in mums with children up to the age of six? How much sleep a night you actually lose up to the age of six? And the bones of it is lost when they are small. But at seven months, you would be starting to think they should be in some kind of a routine and at least sleeping all night I mean I was with my sister-in-law over Christmas when we were in Australia and her little newborn baby Emily who was uh, just six weeks when we arrived and you know by the time we left she was nine weeks And she, fantastic little baby. Now, the mother listening to me is not going to be happy to hear this. She was sleeping all night at nine weeks by the time we were uh, leaving. Anyway, let's look for ideas and suggestions because I'm sure there are lots and lots and lots of other mothers who will identify with this and will have been through this before. Any suggestions, seven-month-old baby, absolutely wall-fallen with the tiredness, but will just fight and fight and fight to stay awake. Any suggestions, please, that we can pass on to this mum in the hope of getting her little seven-month-old baby into some kind of a routine that he can sleep and also that she can sleep. She just must be exhausted. And, of course, there's probably times during the day when baby is sleeping and, of course, mum is still up and about doing everything that, that she needs to do. So, suggestions, please, and help. If you went through that yourself maybe before... How did you get around it? How do you get a seven-month-old baby who's just fighting the tiredness? How do you get him? to sleep. 1850 333
2: Text or WhatsApp 0862
3: 103 103. C103 Jobs. Euro Spa Supermarket. It's at the Barry Road Co-op. They've got a vacancy for a full-time deli assistant. While a trainee bulldozer driver is wanted for work in Cork, you must be 16 or over and you need to have a safe pass. Healthcare assistance and multitask assistance are required for work at Nazareth. House while a part-time healthcare assistant is wanted for work in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103 text in to say huge congratulations to James Dean from Castletown Road. He won the Oman Drift Championship 2019 in Oman in the Middle East at the weekend from all of his family and friends. Congratulations to you, uh, James. Now, talks are continuing between the Office of Public Works and Cork County Council that hopefully will benefit homeowners and businesses in two North Cork towns where flood insurance is proving a problem. One of those towns is Fermoy And joining me with more on this uh, local councillor, Noel McCarthy. Good morning to you, Noel. Morning. Um, and morning, you're Patricia. welcome. Now, this issue affects Fermoy and also Mallow. And even though €74 million Euro was spent on flood defence, why are homeowners and businesses still having problems getting flood insurance uh, in the areas affected?
8: Well, Patricia, really, it came up at our meeting, Northern meeting last Monday week in Mallow, where there was a, um, a, a report by the executive on flooding um, and, other, and other issues. And what came up was that they told us that there's ongoing talks between the OPW and Cork County Council to get insurance to cover the council and putting up the demountable barriers, which are affecting Fumoy and in Mallow, but in Fumoy in particular on the south side and the north side. So what the problem there was that they were saying if they didn't get the, they were worried the council were that if they didn't get the mountains up in time that there would be insurance claims. So they're in discussions with the OPW and they're very hopeful that the Irish public bodies will insure the OPW, which will cover the council going forward for any, if they have any delays in, in getting the, the mountables up in time that they will be covered. So when I heard that on the day, I said, well, look, this would also lead to the businesses like you said there and, and uh, people living, residents living in the area, residents living in the flooded part of the town, they have been refused insurance of getting high costs um, over the last number of years, and they, they really feel that they have been, I, I suppose, um, not getting the right uh, uh, cover back on it. And where, where do they go from here? So I feel now they need to, to be insured going forward, or at least get a quote that is costable to them going forward.
3: And it's told, it's, it's like there. they're being discriminated against because they once yeah. lived in an area that was prone to flooding.
8: Yes, and as you said there, we spent 74 million on more towns, 47 of that in Fomoy, and two and a half years ago when there was a serious flood in Fomoy, the demountables and the flood plans worked, and it was a great success. So then when people went back about getting insurance cover, they were, they were very surprised that, they, first of all, they were getting costs that they couldn't afford, costs they couldn't afford, and then in some cases, get, it wouldn't even be quoted. So they were felt, how can we spend all this money, be flood-protected, and not get insurance then. Whereas you could understand before when there was no flood protection, and if they had a flood and made a claim, well then you could understand where they were coming that they couldn't get get insurance then. But after all this work being done, after all this money being spent in both towns, why they weren't getting insurance was really being, as used to being discriminated against.
6: And,
3: you know, there there are other parts, particularly down in West Cork at the moment, where there's a lot of flood relief work and flood defence work going on. I mean, people in those areas, are they all going to have the same problem when the work is done?
8: Well, I think they will, because this is a test case now, I feel, with the OPW and the council. I feel if the council can get insurance, well, then the businesses and the residents in the area affected should be able to be quartered as well. And I do believe that Skibberine and Bandon, where works are going on now, this will be a problem for them, no doubt, going forward.
1: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
9: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
5: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
10: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
8: Forward. And I hope that this will be rectified before to get the finish for the works there. Because this is not fair, and I feel, I even said it after meeting these... This companies that refuse insurance to people but that flood affected and don't give them a, a cost coat course or, or a cover should be brought before the directors and explained uh, to explain why.
3: Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah. Have either of uh, and I know it seems to be around the demountable uh, defenses seem to be what the the insurance companies are using as the as the excuse. Firstly, who's responsible for erecting? The, in the, in the defences in the north
8: side that's a good question for sure. in the north side the council themselves staff that do a very good job they do it on the north side and we have a contractor on the south side that also does, does a very good job but again if there's any you know bad weather if they have problems in getting them erected this is the problem that the council have going forward with the OPW to say who's going
3: to cover them but have but have either ones. either defences either in Formoy or Mallow, have they ever failed to date
8: no, no. Yeah, because they they go
3: up, and it, it's not like we suddenly wake up to a flash flood. See? You no, think...
8: there's always warnings. Yeah. There is, definitely, and we have time to do it. So I, I feel that the test was there two and a half years ago. I never saw the water so high in my day. That going back two and a half years ago, And I, think, I can't remember which storm no, Patricia, but it was now, Patricia. We've, a we've huge, had so many of them. So many of them, yeah. So it was a big storm. The power of the water, the height of the water, and, and, and a couple of days of mine, and it stood the test. Yeah, and it really yeah. The People were really delighted to see that. We had no... Breaks in any of the mountains with no water down or keys like we usually have coming out towards the bridge on either side of Brian Square, and anyone that lived there were flood protected following from this war. That to me is a success, and then
3: insurances should give cover based on that. That's yeah, what the money is. It, it just for. It seems very unfair. So, it you're does. hoping to when are you hoping to hear back from the OPW. Well, the
8: meetings, the talks are ongoing, and we asked for the report for the next meeting, which will be hopefully in the April. We'll have an update on it. But I'm hopeful, and I think the council are very hopeful that they will get covered from, uh, from the Irish public bodies. And I think that would be a test case then for the business, and there is both towns to see. And, and again, for Skibberine and Bandon as well going
6: forward, yeah.
8: I think these are test cases for them. And hopefully we'll have good news, Patricia.
3: OK. And uh, before we let you go, we spoke to you earlier this month about the ongoing issue of the Traveller family parked at uh, Kilcrumper uh, New Graveyard. And I know you were, to, you were raising the issue at a meeting uh, last week. Have you any update on that story? I have.
8: I just, just to say that that meeting was called off last week because our death of our executive uh, officer's father, so which was untimely, or unfortunate, is rescheduled. I'm actually at it as we speak and I'll have an update tomorrow if you're
3: Patricia. Okay, like we'll talk to tomorrow on that then. Okay, in the meantime Noel, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good Patricia. morning to you, that is uh, Councillor uh, Noel McCarthy 1850 103 and I knew that I heard something on the news about lack of sleep. This is because we've had a mother contacted us, her seven month old baby, just Fights the tiredness is absolutely wall and fights and fights and fights. And she's looking for tips and uh, suggestions. And it's a piece of research coming out from the United Kingdom. And it says having a baby will ruin your sleep for six years. Researchers have found mothers are deprived of an average of 22 minutes sleep a night dads by the way lose 14 minutes uh, even after their baby has started school okay even when the children do sleep soundly the stresses and the strains of parenthood can make it hard for parents to uh, drop off and I take it that they are looking at children who sleep and who are good to go to sleep they're not our the poor mum who's contacted us with her seven-month-old baby, she herself absolutely exhausted because she can't get the little fella to nod off. we were looking for your thoughts and comments on that, please, if you have any suggestions that we can pass on to her. Now, over the spring and early summer of this year, Kite Entertainment, the people behind Ireland's Fittest Family, Gogglebox Ireland and Ireland's Got Talent, will film a brand new TV series for Virgin Media featuring an exciting new Intergenerational Living Experiment. And joining me with more details, uh, Miriam Smith. Good morning to you, Miriam. Good morning, Patricia. How Uh, are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. You are looking for willing participants. Tell me who you would like, who the ideal candidates are to get involved in this programme.
10: I will indeed. The ideal candidates, Patricia, would be older homeowners. So that would be people over 65 um, and people who live alone. And we are going to be pairing them up with younger renters, so preferably somebody over 21, somebody who's at work or college and is open to this home sharing experience. We're trying to get a snapshot of what life is like at either end of the housing spectrum. And um, so that would be the ideal. And, um, you know, with rents at an all time high, it's becoming harder for young people to find a decent place to stay at a decent price. And home sharing could be one possible way of tackling the problem. Um, so now how
3: explain how home sharing works do you pay yeah, rent course. or how so does it work
10: how it works is the younger person moves into the older person's house now okay. we're working on a period of two weeks um, so they live rent free and in return for their accommodation what they do is they commit to something in the region of 10 hours of help or support in the home now they're not moving in as a carer They're not moving in as a housekeeper. They're moving in more as a companion. So the kind of help they might offer might be help with the shopping. They might cook the occasional meal. They might give someone a lift to the train station. It'll be very much like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a housemate of your own age, but there'll be quite a big generational gap. And So that's what they'll sign up for. Um, And we're hoping that within the two weeks the two people will get to know each other. We'll film that process as they settle in together. And after the two weeks is up, we will chat to them about the possibility of making it a long-term arrangement. Um, and that is a different scenario. At that stage, we hand them over to a home-sharing consultant. And we're working with a wonderful woman called Lucy Cunningham from thehomeshare.ie. Lucy does this all day, every day, makes wonderful matches all around Ireland. So she would then um, step in and look after the arrangement once that uh, once that two-week trial is up.
3: And obviously, you'll do your best to match people who are similar i'm yeah. just trying to think how you would match a, a 21 Absolutely. year old with a 71 year old well, but there might be a mutual interest there yeah
10: uh, there might be mutual interest Well, geography will come into it yeah. so you know this will allow a younger person to perhaps live a lot closer to uh, college or to work it will maybe move them into a more residential area with a proper sense of community and that's exactly it we'll be hoping to find the common areas between the two generations. So while Ireland has changed very significantly over the last forty years or so, we think there'll still be an awful lot of common ground. People will still want to come home at the end of the day and chat about what's been going on, maybe give each other advice, maybe, you know, share stories. We're just hoping that it will be a successful match in each case. So home sharing might not suit everybody, but for the people that it does suit, it can be life changing. It's something that has been working very well in the UK for many years and it's growing momentum now in Ireland. Is is Ireland. Is it a new phenomenon here in Ireland? Uh, Not really. I'd say probably the last three or four years it has really kicked in. You know, I mean, many years ago, people would have moved into digs and they wouldn't have thought about it. It would have just been the norm. Then we all got used to kind of cheaper accommodation and sharing with people our own age. So it's something that maybe hasn't been done for a while and is becoming more normal again. Um, It's a kind of a a chance for the older person to have a bit of company around the house. A little bit of support, perhaps, if they need that. But, you know, having someone in the home at night would be very comforting if you were a little bit nervous around that. So, you know, lots of benefits for both parties, really. God,
3: it's interesting when you mention digs. Digs was a form of, of house sharing, now that I Absolutely. think about it. Absolutely,
10: yeah. And yeah. yeah. digs are coming back, Patricia, are would they, you yeah. <laughs> Diggs, Well, you know, especially... Well, Diggs you can like rent, a and and rent a room
3: and the rent-a-room scheme that yeah. was introduced by the government...
10: Yeah, so I mean, this is another way that somebody could live rent-free, begin to save, whether they're saving to travel, to save for a car, to save for their own place eventually. This is a way of doing that, that you're living in a kind of a comfortable, quiet home. If you'd rather not go home to share a house with six or seven flatmates, this might be a yeah, very just, good option the, just, for
3: you. just the option for you. And you're looking for people from anywhere in the country, Miriam. Absolutely. Yeah?
10: yeah, absolutely. So there are pinch points in the cities obviously where rent is absolutely ridiculous. So we have had a lot of interest from people wanting to share in Dublin, but we'd absolutely love to feature a household in Cork. So if there is somebody listening who thinks they might be interested, they could give us a call. We can talk to them a little bit more about it and explain how the whole situation would work.
3: Yeah, I'm you know, I'm straight away thinking of young people from the, any of the county areas who are living who have to live in the city to go to college because it's too far to commute
10: yeah it would be, some people are taking on massive commutes I'm talking yeah. to young people we've had a lot of applications so far and a lot of some, I was tra- talking to a guy yesterday who's commuting two hours in the morning two hours in oh, the evening No, you know so that's not a lifestyle that could, could carry on forever ok and
3: older people are they are you
10: getting enough older people willing to sign up We are. We've had some very interesting people come forward so far. Obviously, we would be happy to talk to anybody in the Cork area who thought it might suit them. Um, As I said, it may not suit everybody. We're not putting any pressure on anyone to go beyond the two weeks. It'll be very much down to the individuals and how they feel it has gone. Um, And it's really interesting to just look at a different way of living, you know, a different way of living. It would be a new lease of life for some people to have a bit of company around the house. Yeah. And for the older person, it gives them a bit of a glimpse, uh, you know, a bit of perspective, maybe the things that we worry about and the things that we think are so crucially important now are put into perspective by the lives of older people, their experiences, what they've been through.
3: I think it's a win-win all around. I, I really it do for, for everybody. Yeah. And, the, and the filming, you'll do you film their every waking moment for the full two weeks?
10: Not every waking moment. I don't think anybody would enjoy that. But we certainly would be checking in with them, you know, every day, maybe every second day. We would be asking them to do some things together. So perhaps one is involved in a choir or a musical society. They might both go along to rehearsals for that. If one of them is heavily involved in sport or charity work or something interesting in the community, we would just ask them to try out each other's pastimes a little and open up their horizons a little on, on both ends, you know.
3: And people get used to the cameras don't they they, they actually they almost they do. forget very, they're there. very
10: very quickly. I mean we make a show called Gogglebox Ireland and it's hilarious how quickly people just relax and forget there are cameras there. Um you know people just start to settle in, get on with their normal lives. And we would imagine that after the initial kind of period of feeling a little bit self-conscious you know, as you get to know somebody, as you settle in, the cameras will become secondary and the experience will kind of come to the fore.
3: And I'm so glad you mentioned Gogglebox because that is my all time favourite Really? <laughs> well, Do you know, So, hear. and I, I often think about it, I love, I, I absolutely adore Gogglebox uh, Ireland. I also watch the, the, the UK one and I often think about who the person who walked in to a producer and said, I have a great idea for a TV show. I we'll f- know. We'll fill in people watching uh, watching TV. And I, uh, I'd i love to have, have heard what that first conversation was like. But know, it I, is yeah. fantastic
10: yeah, programme. Thank you. Thank you. We're very proud of it. We were very proud to win the IFTA this time last well year. Well deserved. That was a, that was well a great, deserved. Uh, great achievement for everybody after all the hard work. So we were very appreciative of that.
3: So the obvious question is, when is it back on?
10: Um, I believe this autumn, there might be a couple of little special episodes might pop out before then. Um, I don't think they've been announced yet, but there are a couple of little extras up our sleeves just to keep people um, satisfied while they're waiting for the new series to come back. So I would imagine in the autumn it will be coming back. But for now, we are really concentrating on the Home Share Programme. Have Have you a name for the Home Share Programme? We, we're not, we don't have a, a title as yet. Okay. We have a kind of a working title that we're using ourselves. But what we're really hoping to do is to try and make it nationwide. As you can imagine, you know, Dublin being a pinch point, Cork being a pinch point, Galway. We're just trying to reach as many people in regional areas as well. OK. Because, so, you know, and
3: when, when, I mentioned at the outset, spring, so early summers, when you're hoping to, to film the two weeks. When would you hope to air it then, it would be?
10: It would be much be later on this year later on this year. So later the on this the year. filming will probably run over throughout the summer and then there'll obviously be the period of editing and putting everything together. So I would imagine it would be late 2019 before it will hit our screen.
3: Okay, and how can people contact you?
10: If people want to give me a buzz and find out a little bit more because I've given you some information this morning but obviously not all. Some people will have questions. The number is 085-826-3439. My name again is Miriam. Or you can email us at casting at com. So it's all lowercase, casting at kite, K-I-T-E, entertainment.com. And okay. that'll get
3: straight to me. And 085 826 3439 and, w- and we have that on file as well. Listen, the best of luck. We look forward Thanks to seeing so it. Much. I think it's a great concept. It's really, I think it really is going to make for really interesting viewing uh, as well and as I said, we await the return of Gogglebox Ireland. Thanks <laughs> Miriam, for joining us, Miriam. Thank you so Bye much, bye-bye. Patricia, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, well, lovely lady, Miriam Smith there from uh, Kite Entertainment. If you think you have what it takes and would like to take part in that intergenerational living experiment, even just to give them a call and have a chat please do 1850 it would be great uh, to see some of our own listeners on a programme like that and to have some people from uh, Cork taking part OK let me go back to uh, texts in from people who are offering some advice to our poor young mother who contacted us about her 7 month old baby who just won't sleep he is He's exhausted. He does get tired, but he just fights it, trying to stay awake all the time, fights off uh, the uh, tiredness. Paula says, Patricia, in regards to the baby who won't sleep, I'm wondering, would it be possible that that little boy, little baby has fluid in his ears? My little boy didn't sleep day or night until he finally got his grommets at Christmas, says Paula. That might be worth checking out and you can obviously have to check that out at the GP. Thank you for that, Paula. Uh, Hi, my name is Mags. I have an even bigger problem with my nine-year-old. My nine-year-old won't sleep in his own bed. I'm a single mom, so he's in with me and also his grandparents when he stays there. He's just spoilt. Any advice, please as I have a new partner. So it could become, become an issue going forward. Now that's a harder habit to break. A child who has got into the habit as a toddler of getting out of his cot or his bed and toddling into mum. mum. And of course mum's in the bed in her room, pops in, sleeps with mum in the bed. And if he's staying over the grandparents, goes in with nana and uh, granddad. So is in the habit now of maybe i don't even know if he goes to sleep in his own bed to start with but even if he doesn't he's waking in the middle of the night and going into the parents bed that's a that is it's a bigger absolutely it's a bigger problem but you're not on your own a lot of other people have gone through that so is anybody's suggestions there how do you break the habit with a 9 year old and you really need to start breaking that habit because he's he's getting older as well how do you break the habit of a 9 year old sleeping in the parents parents' bed or the grandparents' bed when he's over there on the weekend. If you have any advice on that one, uh, please uh, get, please share it with us. Back to the young, to the seven-month-old baby though. OMG, says this texter, I know exactly how that mother feels Read the sleep. Our youngest of three was a devil and would never get to sleep. And then after only one hour, the little fairy would be up fresh as a daisy, I was after one hour of sleep. I used to hot bath him every night trying to wear him down. Also, we discovered if we placed a hot water bottle in the pram of the cot just before putting him down, making the mattress cozier for him than removing the hot water bottle once you put the baby into bed. My child is now 17 and would you believe he survives on only a few hours sleep most nights. He's awake, for example, most mornings by 5am. He doesn't get up It's just that he needs a bare minimum of sleep, and before anybody suggests it, he is very active. He does GAA training three nights a week, but I feel your pain, Mammy. Says this uh, texter. Yeah, no. That's not to say that the seven-month-old baby is going to be the same. There are some children and adults who survive on very, very little sleep and he probably goes through the rest of his life like that. I mean if it's 17 he's waking and requires very, very little sleep because we know notoriously the teenagers are the opposite. They'll sleep the the whole clock if you leave them away uh, with it. But a good suggestion there on the hot water bottle making the cot as cosy as possible and warming it up That's a suggestion that maybe our mother could try. Any other suggestions? Keep them coming, please. Uh, Two issues on the go now. We have the seven month who's fighting the tiredness. And how do you break a nine year old? How do you get the nine year old to sleep in his own bed and stay in his own bed all at night?
0: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: And I just acknowledge receipt of a couple of texts that came in from a gentleman by the name of Frank. And to say, Frank, I am not ignoring your texts. Frank is having a go at me over the fact that we're not reporting something on the news. Firstly, I don't set the news agenda. I don't work in the newsroom. I have no control over what gets reported on the hourly news bulletins that go out on this programme. Uh, But he's critical of the fact that some cardinal who's been convicted of child abuse and uh, cover-up of cases that were not reporting on it. I have no reason as to know why it's not being reported on. Maybe it was reported earlier, maybe it was reported yesterday, maybe it'll be reported later, I don't know. And then Frank accuses me of sympathising with this this is a direct quote from Frank with this cult that abuses children and then covers up. The cult being the Catholic Church. I don't sympathise with anyone who abuses uh, children Frank and I certainly don't sympathise with anyone who covers up for anyone that abuses uh, children. But just to Recognise, we did receive your texts, and I'm not uh, ignoring them. Can I send heartiest congratulations to everybody involved in the Mallow Special Olympics? They're hosting a party for the Cork Limerick contingent of the Special Olympics. We'll be travelling to Abu Dhabi for the World Summer Special Olympic Games. Obviously, it's a really exciting time for the athletes, the volunteers, and their coaches. And the athletes have been working so hard over the last four years to achieve their place on Team Ireland and there's going to be a great big send-off on the 1st of March which is this Friday at the Arches Bar in Mallow when they're going to host a special party for the Cork and Limerick contingent going to Abu Dhabi. The very best of uh, luck and the party's on in the Arches at 8 o'clock on Friday night. We hope they all have a wonderful uh, time. And thank you to... The people who are still offering words of advice on sleep and sleep patterns. We have two people distressed today. We have a mother with a seven-month-old baby who just is fighting the tiredness and just will not uh, sleep. People are looking for suggestions there. Then that prompted another one of our listeners, Mags, who's got what she thinks is an even bigger problem. She's a nine-year-old little boy who won 't sleep in his own bed she 's a single mother he 's in the bed with her every night and if he 's over at the grandparents on a weekend or during school when, school holidays or whatever uh, he 'll go into their bed and and she says um, when he hes just spoiled and any advice and and as a single mom she 's a new partner so this you know is an issue that she really does want to get uh, sorted out a couple of suggestions in for for mag's for that mom Sheila says I would encourage him to go for sleepovers at friends houses or bring friends to stay now, that could be a good one because a 9 year old little boy is will not want his friends or his friend to think that he's sleeping in mum's bed so that might be a good suggestion well done Sheila and Molly has a great suggestion and actually a couple of others are suggesting something similar saying tell that lady with the 9 year old that won't sleep in his own bed do up his bedroom let him pick the colours let him choose the bed clothing and make the room the way he likes it make the room to be very special to, uh, for, for for him and the way he likes it that it's his decision and it's his room happy days uh, says uh, Molly yeah and you know something that brought me back uh, to um a family member of mine who was going through a similar a similar issue with a, a little fellow who wouldn't sleep in his own bed and at the time the ninja turtles were all the rage, so the room was done up he got to pick it all, and the room was done up with the ninja turtle theme and it worked it worked literally from the first night it was his room, and he felt you know this was his room and he helped to pick everything and there wasn't a bother uh, so yes yeah, so there's something like that something to make the room a little bit special and to make it this is your room and this is where you as a nine year old boy this is where you much sleep that's good and I do think the suggestion of bringing a friend over to, to stay and if all else fails uh, Patrick is suggesting particularly to the mum with the seven month old uh, baby uh, Patricia tell those mums to check out Lucy Wolf's Sleep Matters website she's very good If you want to give that um, a a check, Lucy Wolfe's Sleep Matters, Uh, you may pick up some tips or advice uh, there. What are people happy with the naming of the bridge in Cork, a woman? who has been described as the Irish Oscar Schindler for her efforts to save Jewish children in occupied France from the concentration camps. She's now to be honoured in her own native city. The Cork City councillors last night voted to name Cork's newest bridge after her. The lady in question is Mary Elms. And I have to say, I know little or nothing about Mary Elms. And I'm now, I've, I've discovered today that there's a really good book that was written about her. And I, I because I loved the whole story I of Oscar Schindler. I loved that movie Schindler's List and to think we had one of our own from Cork who was doing something very sim- similar in France. I'm now intrigued by this woman and I want to try and find out as much information as I can. Mary Elms was born in Ballantempo in 1908 and she actually died in France in 2002. So she lived to a ripe old uh, age. She was chosen by a majority of city councillors last night when it came down to the deciding of the naming of a new bridge. This is the new 5 million euro bridge that's going into Cork City. Mary Elms received the backing of 17 councillors. It ended up in a two-way race against the War of Independence figure Donica de Barra. and uh, they Donica Barra received the backing of 12 councillors but Mary Elms got 17 votes Earlier, it had appeared that the Cork-born American trade union organiser Mother Dr- Jones would make it into the final vote. But Mother Jones didn't get enough vote because I saw at the weekend there was a lot of support from, from Mother Jones. I thought she was going to make it at least into the final three, but she didn't. So this is how it broke down in the end. All eight Sinn Féin councillors and some Fianna Fáil councillors voted for Debara, But Fianna Gael members and the left wing councillors from Solidarity and the Workers' Party they had initially indicated a preference for Mother Jones but then they switched to Mary Elms and then some Fianna Fáil counsellors councillors and the independents all backed uh, Mary Elms. She was credited with saving 200 Jewish children during the Holocaust and in 2015 she became the only Irish person, now this was posthumously, but she was the only Irish person ever honoured as Righteous Among the Nations. That's a special award that's given out by uh, Israel. So Mary Elms will now be remembered in Cork forevermore when the new bridge gets named after her. And I like that idea because people like me, who didn't know a lot about Mary Elms, uh, may now start to question and find out a little bit more about her. And it's good to know that she will be remembered in her own Home city. Uh, 1850 Our lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103
2: The C103 Cork Diary.
0: With Cork County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
3: An introduction and demonstration on how the Horse Boy Movement Method can help children and adults on the autism spectrum is going to be given by well-known author Rupert I- Isaacson uh, in, today at uh, four o'clock this afternoon in the Maryville Stables there in Carrigaline. If you'd like more details, you can contact David Doyle on 087 273 4150. And a talk on the siege of Jadotville a major conflict in the Congo during the early 1960s, will be given by Captain Noel Carey, Mallow Social Services Hall this evening. Doors open at half seven. Talk starts at eight. All are welcome. A free one-to-one. Breast Cancer Support Day will be held this Thursday at the Cork Arc Cancer Support House in Bantry. If you'd like to book a place, can you call 027 53891. There'll be a beef planning meeting in the Vienna Woods Hotel in Cork on Thursday. All beef farmers are please asked to attend and a fundraising comedy night will be held in the Schoolyard Theatre in Charleville this Friday 1st of March in aid of Zoe Shannon Crowley who is a student from Skull in Botovant and she is travelling to India in April with the Hope Foundation and thank you to a couple of people who were on to us saying is there any update on the story yesterday of Gerard and Gerard's parents in Castletown Roach who these are the elderly couple in their 90s they've had their phone Phone, their phone disconnected, and it was all to do with they signed up. they had a bundle with them, and then they decided to get a mobile phone. Well the family decided it would be handy for this elderly couple to have a mobile phone for when they went out and about or if uh, one or other went into respite and they discovered that the mobile phone wouldn 't work in the house. it was just a bad area for signals. So they decided to hand the phone back and they'd been trying to get through to air and then air kept billing them for the mobile phone they were paying for their landline, they paid for everything that they were getting but they weren't paying for the mobile part of it and of course their bill went into the red and they disconnected them. But the problem that we had when we spoke to Jared yesterday and the problem Jared and his family has is that these are an elderly couple in their 90s living independently and trying to live as independently as possible and their panic buttons won't work because the phone has been disconnected and the Problems and the hassle that Gerard was having trying to get onto air was just incredible. And then yesterday afternoon, I decided to do it just to try to see if I could find out were other people having problems with air. And lo and behold, I came across a really good piece written by uh, Conor Pope, who often does pieces on uh, consumer issues. He was writing for the Irish Times last week, and uh, he says he's been inundated with people complaining about air. He said he started via his Twitter getting a few disgruntled customers And he said the trickle then went to a flood of complaints, which soon turned into a stream of complaints. And he said people spoke of the difficulties they had making contact with air in shops or over the phone or via their online channels. He said customers spoke of wasting hours of their lives on hold before calls were mysteriously dropped. Now, we got people saying that as well. Very frustrating. If you've hung on the phone for an hour and a half, you finally get through to somebody and suddenly it gets disconnected. Sometimes people would be able to talk to a human being only to be told by air, oh no, sorry, we can't solve that problem. You're going to have to go via the web chat. Then they contacted the company through the web chat, which is what they were told to do by the person on the end of the phone, only to be told, oh, no, no, we can't solve that problem. You have to do it over the, tel- over the telephone. And they were, he was getting lots and lots of calls and comments like that. And then he opened it up to emails. He said to people, email me your complaints. And what was published in the Irish Times was just literally lots and lots of, of people with different stories to tell. But a common theme, and one of the most common themes being that when you have a problem, trying to get through to air comm is almost... Impossible. Now I know AIR have said that they are having what they describe as a temporary situation with longer than normal waiting times at their call centres and they're asking for patients and they've explained that they are transitioning to new call centres with the one here in Cork, Limerick and Sligo, and they're doing that over the next few months. Four months ago, they made the decision to bring all of the air calls back in-house. I think did somebody tell me that they had been running their call centres out of India. So they decided instead to bring them all back in in in-house. And of course, now the problem is that they have to train people up and they're recruiting 750 customer care jobs for their new regional hubs. They say during this time of change, customers have experienced longer waiting times and we're doing everything we can to minimise the disruption including significantly expanding our web chat service with 50 new positions filled and working as hard as possible to get the wait times down. Since October of last year we've hired and trained 315 new frontline staff across all three sites and 225 have transferred and on and on and on uh, it goes. Um, but it's funny the one thing that a lot of the emails that I read that had gone into Connor Pope was people saying similar to what Jared said yesterday. Yesterday, calling into the actual air shop to be told by the people in the air shop, no, we, you know, you you don't have to go online and best of luck to you because that's the system we have to use as well. You would think that their shops would have more of a direct line to head office, are to the people who can solve the problems, but it seems they don't. And then James has contacted us with his tale about air. Good afternoon to you, James. Afternoon, Patricia. And thank you for sending on copies of your bill as well. You were triple charged by air. Tell me what's going on.
11: Uh, well, I think triple charged, it'll probably finish up triple charged by about five months. There's, you have two months there of triple charging. Um, the, just all that you've said there, I've been through all of that. The longest call I had to air was two hours, four minutes and seven seconds. Oh, the shortest one was probably 30 minutes to be told. I was through to the wrong department and they were me through to a different one and then I got cut off. So there were the variances. I tried web chat and web chat on a Friday and it said, we can't help you phone customer care on Monday. So the web chat doesn't work. I had three trips to air shops when they, they cut off two of my numbers. That's what started the problem. They cu- I, ch- I moved a number ported a number to another provider and at the same time they cut off the two other numbers that were billed on that bill. And they were my main, my main number and my son's number and they stayed disconnected for six weeks, mysteriously. Could not be found in outer space, forever, And I had to go three times to get new SIM cards. None of that worked. Uh, I got onto the regulator. Will I, will I go on?
3: Yeah, go on, yeah.
11: yeah. Got onto the regulator, which is toothless. Because they got to wait ten days for air to come back, and then I got to give them ten days more to respond to that. And in the end, I got a mail from them saying if the one, if I wasn't satisfied with the air's treatment of it, that I my next course of action would be legal. Oh, the next course of action open to me would be would be my choice to go legal. So they are absolutely pointless. Like uh, I mean, the biggest problem is as you see, there from two bills. I was overcharged by over three hundred euros on two bills for two months.
3: Now, explain how you were overcharged.
11: Well, it's duplication in some of them. Uh, there's one number there that I overchar- I was charged for 45 euros that hasn't been with their or in their, in their company since last September. And I'm still being charged for it. Another number there, those are just my, my kids, my teenagers' numbers yeah, because yeah. they've just a rolling two, 20 euro a month contract. And it gives them, like the plans are quite good. And, and, and controllable. But uh, the other one was charged in the double. Uh, there was another one there at 55, was just charged previously at 64.98, so that was in the double. So, um, each one, there was no one accurate. Oh, sorry, the only one that was accurate was the contract one. That's the only one that was accurate. That's
3: and you. then on That's one you. of the bills, they accept they made a mistake because there's a charge query credit. Oh, the
11: crazy than me in both of them. The, my last bill turned out to be forty euros, but I was billed for a hundred and seventy. I think. Oh
6: my god!
11: Like I mean, what I'm thinking is, there's lots of people like this. I haven't gone back through the rest yet, but as soon as you interfere, if you change your plan, the old plan stays. It appears they have no cut off on the old plan,
3: and then you get bills, and I then
11: you get billed for both.
3: And then the problem is, if you don't pay them, it looks their computer will say this person hasn't paid, which is what's happened with Gerard, and they yep. connect, they've disconnect. they disconnected um, his his elderly parents' phone.
11: Well, your choice then is pay this lot of money or stay cut off. That's
3: and then and, and then fight them for your refund.
11: But if, how do you fight them?
3: Yeah, if you can't get through I to them.
11: I've mailed them. I've mailed them. They no, never even acknowledged. They don't even acknowledge airmail. Eventually, my two numbers will got back when I got through, as soon as, the only thing that the regulator did was they did intervene in the end and they did interact with me from their, as they said, their head office. And uh, in about 20 minutes, it was sorted. But they offered me 100 euros compensation and I, they said, would I accept? And I said, no, not at all. And they said, well, that's up to yourself. So they really didn't care. But like, the, just the the thing, the, the, what would you call it? the inconvenience that they put you through is just unbelievable. Like the other thing I found too is their service has dropped, uh, and they tell you now they will only guarantee you service outside your house, not in your house.
3: This my is on your on your on your, my uh, house as well on the mobile on your mobile, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's just it's I think it's the frustration of people trying to get through and not being listened to. I mean we all accept mistakes can be made, even though there seems to be a lot of mistakes well, of uh being made, but it's when they don't rectify the mistakes and rectify them promptly
11: well the and the other uh, alarming thing about it is when all the mistakes are like other financial institutions all go on the one way, like a mistake is something yeah. that should be able to happen both ways, yeah, yeah, or should happen both ways. I don't, uh, like, I'm not accusing anybody, but when all the mistakes are in their favour, that's a real
3: problem. And you would wonder, um, and we, we, I don't think we'll ever get a figure on it, though, you'd wonder, are some people who just give up the fight and just pay it and just be done with it and just, well, oh, I, I couldn't be bothered fighting this? You, only that's got to so be
11: happening. for mine yeah. so high and I queried it, it took a half an hour, to, <laughs> even when, when I tried to explain it to them, and and the person looking, I'm not discrediting the people I was talking to, but like, I mean, they, they just couldn't understand. At one stage, one of them said, I have no idea. I have mm. no idea. We're just new here. We haven't been properly trained and it never stops ringing the phone. Yeah, but, but my c- biggest trouble was when my two numbers were taken away, and disappeared. I was contact us. And I do think that there's a major problem in technology because the reason I have two numbers that are very similar, they're only a digit apart, and I think the current technology can't identify between when uh, two numbers have only one digit
3: in the difference. Well, they say they I do, yeah, I do, and they're they're saying, but they is saying that they're training in all these uh, all these people, and that we're all going to have a better experience. In the long term, but you just have to be patient and apologize for any inconvenience. Well, so, we'll, we'll, September we'll, to now with me is six months. Yeah, that's a long and time. That's, not over. that's a that That's <laughs> that's a long time. And actually, air have just come back to us about uh, Jared because I'm really worried about Jared. Oh, that pay, his awful parents look. are in their 90s. They can't be without a phone. Um, they say they will contact Jared this afternoon about the situation. Okay, we'll keep on top of that. Okay, listen, James, thank you for that and let us know how you get on when you eventually get to the bottom of it. But are you going to stay with them?
11: Well, uh, I've moved one uh, one of the lads away and another one away, but I live in an area where there's very poor coverage, That's and the, the only coverage I get now they have the only benefit they have is they have um, online or in, when you're indoors or you have Wi-Fi calling, mm-hmm. which is a bonus that they have. But as soon as you go outside the door, then that drops, and you drop your and you drop your call. But like the customer care is like something that was done by the Simpsons. Okay.
3: All right, listen, James. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, check your, bills, check your bills. bills. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. That's a great piece of yeah. advice. Thanks for that, James. Different, James. James in Marie, uh, says uh, Air were the original telecom company for this uh, country, but they were sold off, and they and they since then have become very difficult to deal with. Now you're dealing with voice phones. Press one for this. Press two for that. Press three for that. Please hold on the line, and you're transferred around to all of the different departments. James said, "I had to." Wales for an inquiry in the DVLA department which deals with vehicles and your tax books. I was answered by a person who dealt with the situation straight away. A bigger country in the UK can do this while in Ireland we are confused all the time with all the departments. We end up having to ring and pressing a series of numbers before you eventually get to speak to a human being. If you ever get to speak to a human being. I've been I've been on some some calls where you never actually get through to the to the to the person at all, and that's really really frustrating. I think that's well, maybe that will change now with Air with the fact that they're training and they're bringing it all back in house. So maybe we need to be a bit patient with them. Uh, Joan Informoi not happy with Air either. She had her broad, she's a broadband with them, and she had a bill for seventy five euro and twenty cents. She said I looked at it in a hurry, popped into the post office to pay it, and paid the seventy five euro. I was rushing when. I paid the bill and I didn't notice that I didn't pay the last 20 cent at the end of it. Uh, After a number of uh, weeks, I got a letter saying that my bill was in arrears for 20 cent. After that they rang me and uh, I ended up getting texts to say that I owed the money and that I was in the red. I did eventually get through to it and somebody at the other end of the line explained that that's computer generated and it was the computer automatically sends out the text and the letters, all this for 20 uh, cents. Yeah, when you leave it to computers, that's exactly what happens. Uh, 1850, 333103. Tom in Bantry, I was with Air before and I just gave up on them as they were a disaster. I went to another company and have no problem at all with uh, bills. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just to find a few calls about AIR. Somebody says if AIR are relocating their service out of their call centre and, and India and back to Ireland, it can only be for the best. At least we might be able to communicate. Uh, but their chat line is definitely manned by Indian nationals. That could still be there. That they, you know, they could still be using that call uh, centre. While Joni McCroom says, I rang AIR yesterday afternoon to try to get a better package. 15 minutes wait, which isn't too bad. Spoke to a lovely girl. By changing package, my price has actually gone down by 16 euro a month. Call was less than 10 minutes. My point is, when you ring, stick with it and wait it out. You will eventually be answered, says Joan from McCroom. So it isn't all bad news. And just I want to give this one a mention. Jenny from Balanine says, hi there. I'm getting calls from a lady called... Emily, she says she's from AIR and unfortunately they have to cancel my internet in 24 hours. She speaks really slowly and maybe a recorded message. I just hang up. Anybody else getting a message like that? Kind regards uh, Jenny from Balanine. Ah, Jenny you're in a long, long list of people getting calls from the famous Emily from AIR. It's a scam. Just hang up uh, immediately. Okay, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Moabwee uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon on a beautiful sunny Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Good for the soul isn't it to see the blue sky and the sun shining
12: indeed it is like,
3: get out and enjoy the fine weather that's what we're telling everyone yes. and, okay. and
12: as I was on to you a long time ago I still hold the air record
3: you four do four and a half hours that's it that's it you even better because I, I was thinking of you actually when James was saying his longest call was two hours <coughs> and four minutes I was thinking Joe Heffernan can beat that one I just couldn't uh, remember what it was it was four hours four
12: hours and then it went dead yeah so in a, at the end of all oh. the music, there was a U2 song in it. I knew it off my <laughs> heart.
6: Yeah.
3: Stuck in the moment, you can't get out of. That's the famous you U2 song. Okay, yeah. let's, uh, let's take a look. Today we're going to be talking about obsessional thinking. Okay, describe to me what you mean by obsessional thinking.
12: Okay, now we talked last week about OCD. Obsessive-compulsive disorder. disorder. That would be an obsessive thought combined with uh, a compulsion to do A, B or C to check or to wash or uh, there's an action going with it. Now, the obsessional thinking then is uh, often referred to as the big O in kind of the OCD world. Um, in other words, like, uh, it's just a thought, but it's a thought that can frighten one very, very much. Um, the thoughts are usually either violent or sexual or uh, you know, it 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 can be um, uh, oh I don't know, uh, uh, batting a child. Um, oh my God! I mean, I wonder, could I be a paedophile? And this can build and build and build until a person is distraught. And um, and it's it's a thought, but it's like we'll say the thoughts pass through our minds. Um, all day, every day. But then we get one of these and it's, I might harm a family member or um, uh, we'll say, for example, that paedophile one. And it goes on and on and on and on. And a person might have said to me, I wake up in the morning, I get about 10 or 15 seconds peace and then wham, here we go with the thought. And... Uh, it's it's very, very, very distressing. But it is just a thought now I there, there there are we'll say I don't want to be going into this great technicality stuff now, but like that there are ego syntonic thoughts and ego dystonic thoughts.
3: Well they sound quite complicated.
12: Well no. The ego syntonic um their instincts are ideas that are acceptable to one. They, in other words, they're compatible with one's values and ways of thinking. So they wouldn't scare a person at all. They're fine. Um, now, ego refers to thoughts, impulses that are felt to be repugnant, distressing, unacceptable, uh, inconsistent with one's self-concept, like this can't be me. I do not want this to be me. So one is then like sort of at war with, with his or her own mind, um, because these thoughts are distressing. They're they're um, they're repugnant. Um, but anyone suffering from that, they're not acted on they're They're not acted on in fact, the reason that they're frightened the reason that we freeze frame them instead of letting them pass through with all the rest of the video is because they are so repugnant to our instincts and and um uh, values so uh we, what we need to do, like, is to look at them with interest rather than fear. Now, that's a little sentence from a book I read about, oh, I don't know when. It's, it, it's probably out of print. I don't know. It used to be called Self Help with Nervous. It was by a woman called Dr. Claire Weeks. W-E-E-K-E-S. I think she was an Australian, um, was it psychiatrist or psychologist? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But that little mantra worked for a lot of people that I worked with. Looking at it with interest rather than fear. Even joke with it. Here we go again. You know, I'll probably have half a monster murdered by lunchtime and I'll finish off the country by tea time. Um, just kind of... Try and like, make
3: fun of them. Make, and, yeah. and are they are all... The- is there a sense that they're there all the time, these thoughts?
12: They can, can be absolutely um, uh, uh, incessant. Um, what can happen, as I say, a person can wake up, you know, okay, it's Tuesday morning, and I've, oh my God, here we go. In comes the thought, and then that brings on this horrible depression, anxiety, and all that goes with that, and um, uh, the looking at it with interest rather than fear is um, is is a, is a very very good little mantra. Uh, because the only power that that thought has is the power to frighten one. Um, it it doesn't really have any other power whatsoever. We we give it the power when we. Engage with it and allow it to frighten us. So it's like an old bully, and what we've got to do, like, is dismiss it as uh, you know, as ridiculous, and um, uh, and 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 not allow it to drag us down into that awful place where we're um, uh, where all day is ruined by it because. Uh, This can hang in there uh, intermittently, maybe, hopefully, or even continually for for the day and the next
3: day and the next day. And a a listener, uh, I I mean, I, I don't think this is obsessional thinking, but a listener says, a question for Joe, please. What about when you can't get particular people out of your mind? some mothers who weren't very nice or whose daughters excluded my daughters, these mothers would have excluded me at times. They go round and round in my head. How do I get them out? I don't want to be obsessing, but it's hard to get them out of my mind. Yeah,
12: well, they are now, that's a, that's a bit of a variation on, on what we're talking about today. But we've often mentioned the word resentments. Yeah. And, you know, a phrase that you used to like very much would be... Um, it's
3: like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Exactly. Yeah.
12: Exactly. And, um, you know, that other person could be having a wonderful day, could be off enjoying the sun, maybe having um, a day off and that. And here you are... Obsessing,
3: obsessing about obsessing
12: them. Obsessing about them, bringing them everywhere. And it's in, it's in, in your, torch, your head,
3: not in their head. Mm -hmm. it's in your head not in their head yeah
12: no the thing is like that's all very well but then how does one get rid of it yeah and um I've had all sorts of suggestions down through the years um one of them being pray for the other person now you 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 mightn't feel like it Mm -hmm. but if you can get to a place where you're more disappointed with them than angry with them you'll be okay like to say you know what that's a bit sad um
3: there to be pitied,
12: yeah, exactly, yeah. and and that takes away the resentment because the resentment can eat you up. Um, again, like that can be, you know, a little bit like the obsessive thinking. I mean, there is sort of a link there in that, you know, you're you're inside at the cinema, you're enjoying a good film, and the next thing, pop, the person comes into the head, and. Um, uh you missed the next t- two or three minutes of the film because you've uh, th- that has taken over your thinking and um and and you're trying to get back into where you were um There was a person I was talking to they were on a holiday in France, and um you know they were on the beach it was gorgeous it was lovely the sun was shining, everything was perfect, but in front of this person's eyes coming between them and the blue sky was this other person's image, face, and um, and that was taking over. So, like, the, we we talked a bit in our time, too, about forgiveness, and one of the things we would have said would have been, um, the other person mightn't deserve it, but you do. So, like, um, it's your day is being ruined, and if you can come to a place of, look, they're not worth it, um, um, I've more to be doing with my life now than carrying them around with me, morning, noon, and night. So, um, uh, even down to the point, uh, I think I think a good little bit. Um, I think something that would work for myself there now would be to feel disappointment rather than anger. You know. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it is linked. It is linked to forgiveness.
11: It is. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. Which yeah. can be
3: hard. I mean, if you've been really hurt by somebody, it 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 can be hard.
12: Yeah. I used to make up a thing with the word forgive. Like you know, for me, I give them the right to be wrong. Mm. But for me, you're
6: and again, d- yeah. you you're
3: doing it, it for you, for
6: no in. one else. Yeah.
12: Yeah. No, no, they mightn't deserve it, but I do because you know. Um, I I don't want to be carrying them all day. Now, that's a little bit like the obsessive thoughts. Uh, But the obsessive thoughts um, can, you know, somebody who won't go near the drawer in the kitchen in case that they might um, attack someone in the family. Um, uh, Someone who is, uh, as I say, worried about um, um, bathing the children and kind of uh, uh, having bad thoughts about himself or herself, um, uh, and they you see—they're only thoughts.
3: You, they thoughts. Would, yeah, you would never, you would never act on them. No, no. A uh, listener wants to know, and I know next week we are going to be looking at living with a person mm. who suffers from OCD. But somebody said sadly, I didn't uh, hear last week's because you just asked Joe, "Can you be cured of OCD?"
12: Well, I'll put it this way: um, the family didn't cause it, and the family can not cure it. We'll say that for a start. But, um, yeah, the, the usual methodology would be um, what, what, what we'll call exposure and response prevention. In other words, right, suppose a person has a washing obsession. Okay. Uh, we'll say touch the floor or the door handle or whatever else. Uh, this is for the person or oh, him or herself. And then... Uh, That's the exposure. Now the response prevention would be don't head for the bathroom or whatever to wash the hands. Now, uh, it it needs to be gradual. Um, There's what's called, with all these things, like a hierarchy. Now, the, the hierarchy might start with a delayed response. In other words, like, okay, okay, I need to wash my hands, I've touched that. That could be contaminated. I could be contaminated from it. Um, I need to wash my hands. I will wait five minutes before I do it. And um, then when that's successfully done, the delay time can be extended uh, until it comes to the point where the person, him or herself, realises, do you know what? Nothing bad happened. And... uh, uh, but but the only person who can tackle it is the person him or herself and um uh, uh, often some of the suggestions and we'll come to that next week for people who are living with the person is that it might seem very cruel it might seem very uh uncaring or detached but we 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 the family does not indulge the person. Okay. Um,
3: and I know you've got some books that you want to recommend as well. Well,
12: one of them, yeah, Overcoming Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder by David Veal and Rob Wilson um, uh, is, is a good book. Um, it's I'm trying to see here now. It's uh, published by Robinson. Um, another book, a, a very interesting book, is uh, called The Man Who Couldn't Stop um, by David Adam. Now, David Adam is quite a brilliant scientist, but he suffered from OCD for 20 years.
3: And is this his own story in the book?
12: It's his own story combined with insights.
3: Good. And that's called The Man Who Couldn't Stop.
12: The Man Who Couldn't Stop by very easy to remember
3: David, David. Adam okay and mm. and um, as I said earlier we will next week be picking up on this and offering advice to, to family members living with a person who yeah. suffers from OCD because that can be really really difficult yeah. to be in that situation every day yeah OK, alright, listen uh, thank you for that um, have a lovely week and uh, we'll thing. chat to you again next uh, Tuesday that is uh, Joe Heffernan and Joe runs a counselling practice in Boho his number is uh, 02976617 On Scam Calls the listener says I'm in the Kilbrin area and just to let your listeners know the scam callers are now leaving messages on answering machines telling you to call back and press 1 for assistance to help fix your in internet connection Uh, cheers is that is that linked to Emily from Hi I'm Emily from AIR is that the same scam Because I think her one as well is press one, isn't it? Okay, be very, very careful of that. And of course, you don't ever press one because there's two forms of scams. There's the one where you press one and you end up being connected to premium lines, which will cost you a fortune. Or The other one is you do get through to a scam artist who will try to get your card details, etc., or access to your to your internet. OK, that's where we leave it for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and here's your chance to win money with Cash Tracks.
2: Free. Have your share of five grand with C103 Cash Tracks.
0: Every morning at 8 15, Simon will reveal the C103 Superstar of the Day.
2: Then, stay listening for two tracks back to back from that artist.
0: When they play, be caller 50 to win your share of 5,000 euro.
2: C103 Cash Tracks.
0: With Cavanas, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanas.com.
2: On the home of Cork's greatest
0: hits. C103.